It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And welcome back to the Rock Shock Podcast. I am your host, Andy Metz. Today, I am joined by Kyle Carpenter. He is one half of the Longhorn Republic podcast here on the Central Podcast Network. And of course, we are breaking down the Texas Longhorns ahead of what is no other way to describe it than the marquee game of the Big 12 Conference this week. Um, they kick off at 2.30 p.m. Central Time on ABC Kansas on national television. It's fantastic. But Kyle, how are you doing today? I'm doing tremendous. Uh, it's This is a fun game week. Um, I always look forward to talking to you, Andy. I look forward to, to playing Kansas. You know, Kansas has punched us in the face a couple times, but I still, I'm, I'm actually out of, uh, I've said this before, as the Big 12 changes in the new Big 12 without Texas and OU forms, I'm secretly hoping that Kansas uh, starts, breaks off a streak of dominance here and takes over. <laughs> Hey, I'm all for that, you know. Texas and Oklahoma leave, and uh, Kansas can just become the kings of the new Big 12. So I like for, it. Yeah, that works for me. No, um, I was going to say, um, you know, buttering me up and talking nice <laughs> about my team is not going to help you guys on Saturday. Fair enough. I mean, the uh, the Vegas Lions seem to like Texas a lot in this one. I'm too much of a Texas fan of the last decade to believe that it's not going to be a close game. Like, I just don't. I was going to uh... say, because <laughs> I saw that line, and I'm like, have they even been watching Kansas? Like right. it, this comes across to me more as a, we want the public to actually bet on Kansas. So we're going to give them that much. Yeah. Not I, a, we actually think Texas is 17 points better than the Jayhawks. Yeah. I, I agree with that. And I think Parker uh, Fleming stats of war had it even more than that. And I was just like, you, you, this is rat poison. You all need to stop doing this. It's <laughs> uh, I will not tolerate this anymore. Um, Wait a minute. You're saying that you guys beat Alabama this year. So now you're adopting the rat poison moniker. Look, we, we basically brought Sark in to rebuild Alabama, you know, in the, uh, in the central South, right. To you're leave like, the Southeast. Like healing the soul of Alabama's program. <laughs> I, I will take it. If that's what it takes, I will absolutely take it. <laughs> oh, man. So, I mean, talking about this Texas team, because, you know, I, I think I think they had in week two what was considered to be the marquee win of the season for anybody. Um, going into uh, to Tuscaloosa and beating Alabama. Alabama has not been quite the same team this year so far. Uh, struggling with USF, you know, having some real issues with Ole Miss and really just getting bailed back by the fact or bailed out by the fact that, that Ole Miss offense is absolutely atrocious. Do you think that the performances of Alabama since then make it less of a shine on that win, or is it really just kind of the circumstance of the way that the college football play or college football is right now? Weren't that really interesting inflection point in the season where everyone is bad, right? Like there's in in this year more than any in the past, I don't know, fifteen years or so. Uh, we haven't really seen it. Even Georgia just doesn't play anyone. And they, they do that for about three quarters anyways. Every Saturday they don't play and then yeah. they win. Um, but it's like, you know, you don't have that juggernaut, that buzzsaw that's perfect. Um, I don't think Alabama is going to win a national championship this year. Um, but it's interesting that the watching post 
Texas, their defense has basically looked good against everyone all year, right? They Middle Tennessee State and in in South Florida aren't going to tell you a ton, but whether it's inept Ole Miss offense or good, you know, Alabama defense, uh, pick your poison. Um, but basically, Alabama has not given up a lot of points this year outside of the Texas game, and and Texas has looked um, maybe to the surprise of some people who you know think of Texas as a Sark-led offensive team, has been a defensive first team this year, right? Their defense has been what's carried them. Um, and so if the offense, if Bama is some kind of indicator that there is actually that talent there, then the number next to Texas's name might be justified, right? Uh, Kansas, to me, will be the the kind of proving ground because you run such an efficient, that kind of unique spread triple option that uh, that you have with Jalen Daniels that um, Texas's defense will get a good test. And again, I think... Kansas's defense, you know, has been a little up and down. I think you have playmakers, but maybe not that level of consistency. So I think Texas offense will be able to get points. The matchup to me this week, um, and and again, going back to that Alabama game for your question, is, you know, that Texas defense we think very much is for real. Now is that Texas offense for real? And was that Bama performance something they can duplicate? Baylor, I don't know, is going to tell you. Um, they looked good last week, but it, you know, I don't know that that Baylor team is the Baylor team of of a couple <laughs> years ago. Unfortunately for 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 Dave Aranda, who I like, but uh, that team, you know, may be towards the bottom of the Big Twelve this year. I would say honestly, that Baylor team is fighting for worst Power Five uh, team by a long shot. So they're they're not very good at all. Um, and I think that you know Houston might try to race them to the bottom, but I, I think Baylor <laughs> might win. So. Um, you know, what I will say, though, is that, you know, the, the impression I've gotten by looking at Alabama and the struggles of Alabama's had offensively makes me think that this is the first real test for the Texas defense all season long. Wyoming has an OK, um, you know, an OK offense, but they had a backup quarterback that was in, um, you know, I mean, th- like there's just there were so many different things and so many things you can point to that basically say, if I want to question this Texas defense, I've sure. got plenty of ammunition to do it. If they shut down Kansas this week, there's no denying how good this Texas defense is. That, that's not, the big yeah. question, though, is can you shut down this Kansas team? Um, so let's let's go ahead and start on the defensive side of the ball because that's sure. been what's so good about this team. Um, you know, I, I don't want to say that they're significantly improved from last year. Like, I think so far they are, but it's really early in the season still. Do you think that there's been wholesale changes across this defense, whether it's personnel or scheme or something that explains why they're playing so much better? Or is it kind of just a good start to the year? I think the interesting thing is that a lot of Texas fans feared, you know, if there was some wholesale change, it was the fact that they had a lot of guys leave for the NFL last year, right? Two interior linemen drafted, you know, playing maybe not all the time, but, but on Sundays, um, DeMarvin overshone a linebacker going in the third round, fortunately had a season ending injury in, in preseason after looking great there. And you look at that. Wow. Okay. We just lost two guys in the middle and our, our fastest linebacker. We had the preseason defensive player of the year at linebacker and Jalen Ford, but it's like, Hey, he's without his running buddy. Is he going to take a step back? And so there was a lot more probably questions than, uh, than answers. And, and the one thing that we knew is Texas interior line was good, even replacing two guys who went to the NFL, um, I think that's the deepest defensive interior defensive line unit in the country. And I don't think it's particularly close. Um, you know, the way they, they basically manhandled everyone they've played so far, that was the strength of the team, but everything outside of that was question marks, right? The transfer portal um, addition to Jalen Catalan was, can he stay healthy? And he played 17 plays against Baylor. So they basically keep him on a pitch count. I think he'll play a lot against Kansas because I think they'll need him. Um, but Jade Barron, right. Was the, you know, uh, I think one of the more underrated players in the country last year and has started off great has been a, you know, pro football focused player of the week uh, with some of his performance throughout the season so far, especially Wyoming, where he was as good as I've ever seen a nickel play in, in tackling. Um, and then you run like a Baylor runs 12 and 13 personnel. So take him out and put a third linebacker in and you didn't see it like a big drop off. So I think Texas is strengthened their defense right now is depth. And you see that with right there. They have the three highest graded uh, defensive tackles from pro football focus in the big 12, right? It's each one's playing 30 snaps. And then they have, you know, they're playing big sometimes where guys are, okay, that's your fourth defensive tackle. They're playing them out at end against run fronts, right? So they're, they're really playing about seven or eight guys up front. They're playing, you know, three linebackers is probably where they have the least depth, but in the defensive backfield, they're playing another seven, eight guys. Um, and, and you're not seeing a huge drop off between ones and twos. Obviously there's, there's a little bit there, but um, I almost feel like I haven't seen Texas just put an 11 out 
uh, outside of Bama, where they played a lot of the same guys, but an 11 out and just let them run the entire game. Um, they've really just kind of uh, had a different game plan each, each week, which I think is the answer to your question, which was long winded. The answer is Pete Kukowski, right? He he has been he's gotten a lot more flack than I expected, um, was so well regarded at Washington. And then he came here and it just didn't work perfectly. But, you know, Texas is too quick to to change things. They're now year three in a defensive system. And we said this stat before, but it, some of those players who were fifth year seniors, right? Um, three years under him, it was two defensive coordinators both before that. DeMarvian Overshone had three defensive coordinators in his time at the University of Texas and still got drafted, right? That's hard to do. So I think just continuity, consistency, and, you know, just stacking some talent over time, a little bit of transfer portal and, and some good recruiting is is seeing a benefit. There, there is there a, a season defense too. There, there's a lot of seniors on this defense. So um, you're going to see a big exodus this, uh, this next year, and we'll see how they rebuild it again. Um, but they've kind of been building to this point. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely been, I think, a lot better than than I thought it was going to be coming into the year. And, and you know, that's always good when, uh, you know, for a Texas team that has all that talent to actually live up to it in some fashion. Right. I guess the real question is just going to be, you know, how long they're able to kind of keep that going. And is this a team that, that uh, you know, like, obviously the defensive line has been really good. What about the rest of this defense, though? I know you kind of talked a little bit about some of them, but, like, if there's a weakness to this Texas defense, where where do you think that is? Um, I, I mean, I look at the other linebackers, right? I think Jalen Ford, the guy is, you know, one of the surest tacklers in the conference. There's a reason he was the, the preseason, you know, a defensive player of the year in the, in the big 12. I think he has a playmaking playmaking knack. That's, that's pretty incredible. Like he um, basically has, has just been coming on, right? He didn't even start week one for us last week. He's come on. Um, he has six interceptions in his career, all of them in the last 11 games, right? He's just, the guy is uh, is a playmaker, you know, I won't make the joke about a certain um, person in a dark Beetlejuice theater, but Jalen Ford just can't uh, can't keep his hands um, off of balls when they're around. Right? He had a, an interception in the uh, in the Baylor end zone um, last week after a terrible special teams play where they fumbled a punt return to give him the ball there. Right? And it's like, oh, they're going to get points. Then he steps up and makes that play. He's really good at baiting people there, but. David Benda is like a, an all-speed linebacker. He's been able to be gotten a couple times when he overplays. He seems to have cleaned that up the past couple of weeks a little bit better. But even against Rice in week one, you saw that the, the, the historical knock on him. Is he's just so eager. He plays himself out of position. But lightning fast guy there. And then Maurice Blackwell is their third linebacker. But he's been injured. This was his first week back against Baylor. And he played a lot more than I expected. So um, is that Russ knocked off? He's a, a safety who's you know gone down kind of that tweener which worked really well for overshone but you saw two years development before he got to that um so blackwell this is really the the infancy of that and then jet bush is the other linebacker who plays who's a former walk-on right and he's uh moved down to defensive end and got blown up a lot on the edge um, but they love him his energy is he's a team guy keeps getting opportunities and kind of the texas fans have a lot of uh a lot of ire directed his way. I think since he's gone back to that outside linebacker position, it's it's really uh, played to his strengths, and he's done well. Like he opened the Baylor game with a sack right off the edge, right? I think um, first play you saw that it's great. Like it, the linebacker has some upside, but it's definitely the least proven, right? At defensive back, there's not as many question marks. There's a, a lot of guys who played a lot of football back there, um, including like Jalen Catalan, who played it for another team, but has come into here. Um, I think it really is linebacker. It was before the season defensive end was something we weren't sure about, but they've really, you know, they've, they've proven that to be a, a, a foolish uh, consternation for Texas fans. It's really hard. I think to, especially at a place like Texas to live up to what those expectations are. Cause I, I mean, I think Texas fans in general are just, you know, they're always looking for more from whatever player. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, happens to show out. It's like, sure. You, you know, you had probably like the best statistical game that a, uh, Texas player has ever had. I was like, but it could have been better. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes. Both yes. unfortunate, and then also I think part of why you know Texas ends up as good as they do as often as they do, just because they're always getting pushed. But um, you know, one thing that I don't think can ever get any better would be the lineup from our sponsor here on the podcast, the Charlie Hustle Clothing Company. The Charlie Hustle Clothing Company. They are a a vintage-inspired clothing company based out of Kansas City here, specializing in collegiate and hometown apparel. They want you to be the best-dressed fan this season, so make sure you go check out their wide selection of officially licensed collegiate apparel today. Show off that school spirit all season long. 
look, but the the Kansas stuff I talked to you guys about a bunch about the, the Jalen Daniels shirt, the Beacom Hawk shirt. There's so many of them that I like. But um, you know, if I didn't dislike Texas as a school so much, I would be really tempted to go drop some money on some of these these Texas logos because there's some pretty good the whole the eyes of Texas shirt. I think that one is just absolutely phenomenal. So if you are a Texas fan listening to this and have not had an opportunity to go out there at Charlie Hustle. Um, go to charliehustle.com or even, you know, obviously a KU fan as well. Go to charliehustle.com, use promo code 101215, that is T-E-N-1215. You can save 15% on every single non-sale item that is in your cart. That's not a one-time code. That's not a first-time buyer code. Here at the 1012 Podcast Network, we are very happy to be partnered with them and be able to provide you 15% off of everything in your cart that's not on an already on sale. So again, promo code 101215. Really love what they're doing there. And I can guarantee that you're going to use that code multiple times for all the people in your life that really love some of these schools here. So uh, make sure, you know, again, Charlie Hustle, Vintage Made Fresh. Talking about this defense, though, like what is it about this Kansas offense that worries you about the defense? If there's a spot where Kansas is going to be super successful, where do you think that's going to be? Kansas is tremendous at running the ball. Texas has so far looked pretty good at stopping the run and in, in fact quite good at times um you saw wyoming um basically had a 67 yard touchdown run where they just schemed it up well had a, a freshman linebacker that they kind of got caught in the wash and and you know, uh, a player who didn't have the speed to run down a, a Wyoming linebacker could be concerning, but after that shut them down, right? You go all the way back to, to Bama last year. Um, same thing. They broke one really long run. Um, and it was their one touchdown, uh, on the ground that day. Um, they, you know, Texas has been a little bit susceptible to just that one home run. If they, you know, if if you get through all the levels. And so this Kansas offense, you know, I, I think there's enough talent when you have guys averaging seven yards a touch in your backfield that they're going to find ways to run the ball, to stress Texas, to put them in kind of two uh, two on two or, or, you know, two on one, even situations where they're going to have to make the read and, and you have a playmaker at quarterback, right? And Texas, not just this year, but historically has struggled with the playmaker quarterback. Like that is the, that is the ultimate fear for every Texas fan. I think Jalen Milrow has, as probably a a little bit more top end speed than Jalen Daniels. And, and maybe he can throw the ball five yards further because he has a cannon. But I think you have a quarterback who's more of a playmaker, a quarterback who's more um, certainly uh, better at reading a defense, it, it, it exposing, you know, what, what you're giving him um, and, you know, certainly more accuracy throwing the ball. So I, I think um, the quarterback and the two running backs that you have are, you know, are terrifying. I think it will be strength on strength because I think the Kansas offense doesn't get enough you know, respect is one of the top 15, 20, at least in the country right now, you know, they're, they're a really good unit um, against a, you know, what top 10 Texas defense, top 15, put them in the same area, wherever um, it's, it's strength on strength, I think on that side of the ball. And so it will be can Texas's uh, secondary come up and help, right. Be, be there to help make the tackles, but not get beat, right. Not give up that big play because you're, you know, your, your eyes are, are towards the backfield and trying to make sure Devin Neal doesn't get past uh, the first level and, and break out. Cause he has that type of game that if he gets through your first arm tackle, he's could be gone. So making sure you don't get, Give up that explicit play by trying to take away another right. Keep discipline. Um, linebackers, same thing. Like make sure you're you're incredibly disciplined. Our, our defensive line is talented as they are. They just love to get penetration, and get upfield. Like I know for a fact, Kansas has seen that and is going to you know try to play with that. Right. Sometimes you can uh, penetrate yourself out of uh, position. Right. You lose that that edge discipline. And so you know Kansas is going to see that and they're going to attack that. They're going to try to use uh, Texas's aggression um, against them. Right. I do think Texas has the size in the middle to jam up a bit, but on the edges can Texas set the edge so that's that's what scares me that's what I'll be watching and I honestly think that's what the game's going to come down to yeah well and and I think the biggest part of that is that that's where Kansas loves to go is to the edge like they don't like to run up the middle very much they'll yep. do it um especially they'll try to establish it just to make it so that you have to respect that they might go up there but uh for the most part like they love to get out on the edge they like to pitch it out to Neil you know or Daniel Highshaw or whatever or you know quick throw into the flat or something like that but the one guy you didn't talk about, which I can understand why, because he probably still gives Texas fan nightmares, but, <laughs> um, you know, lead blocker, Jared yeah. Casey. Like, yeah. I, I've said this so many times over the last year and a half. I cannot count the number of times where there's a big play that gets run and it, you know, breaks out on the outside. And who's there throwing that lead block to spring up? It's Jared Casey. Almost yeah. every single time. 
he is a guy that just has a knack for getting into somebody and doing just enough to give Devin Neal or Jalen Daniels or Jason Bean or Daniel Hyshaw or whoever happens to be running the opportunity to get those extra four or five yards. So, I, I mean, I think that's what a lot of it comes down to is, is sure. going to be able to get side to side um, Kansas uses misdirection really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I think this is going to be a big challenge. Like you said, Jalen Mil- J- uh, Milrow for, for Alabama, he might be a little bit faster, probably. I mean, probably about he's, the same. He's electric, man. Here's what I'll say. I don't know that his, that Jalen Daniels is also electric, but Jalen Milrow, yeah. it's like, that, it was scary. He gets that first step really quickly. Like it's, it's, I don't, I could see him in a year or two being really dangerous. He just it's he needs that direction. Right, but yeah, yes, he, it, he I, I mean, reminds I, me a lot of a younger Jalen Daniels. Like, sure, Jalen Daniels came in as a freshman. You could tell that he had a lot of arm talent. You could tell mm-hmm. that he you know he had that speed. He just didn't have the decision making down. And of course, it's really hard to have a good you know be good making decisions when you have like a second before there's a guy in your face. Right, offensive line was terrible for him that year, but you know he was a young guy that needed a lot of work to understand what those right reads were. And now, you know, he looks down the field all the time. So we will, uh, I'm sure that that's going to be kind of the big thing is, is, you know, is he going to be able to extend plays? Is he going to be able to keep himself upright? Um, And I I think the other kind of underrated thing here too, is this Kansas offensive line. Um, You know, you look at like you look at their rating on pro football focus. They're like, I, again, I, I had it pulled up at one point and I lost the page that actually showed it, but, I believe they're fifth in the nation in run blocking and third in the nation in pass blocking. It's ridiculous that's... how good, how efficient they've been now. And I mean, that's supposed to be opponent adjusted. So yeah, you can only adjust so far, but I think the fact that they are doing that and still not really getting any kind of credit as a good offensive line, like, yep. I think what I heard a lot was, and most people that were picking BYU to beat Kansas last week, were talking about how, you know, this is a Kansas offensive line that hasn't really faced anybody that, you know, um, you know, they're not really that talented. They just have worked well together and been able, you know, it's like, no, they're, they're a really good offensive line. And, and again, I'll encourage your listeners to, to listen to uh, Gerald and I have a preview dropping on, on Thursday for the Kansas game. And, and we were looking at the advanced stats and came to the exact same clue, uh, can- Conclusion: Line yards per play, three point seven for the Kansas offensive line. That's very good. One point five second level yards allowed, just five sacks all year. Front seven havoc rate of only eight percent. Like that's a really good line. This preseason, it felt like you know, obviously the Texas line, as young as they were and as as good as they, as much improvement as they showed throughout the year. Everyone kind of assumed the line would be a strength for Texas this year, and, and it has been you know very good, especially by by recent standards. But um, it was kind of does Texas have the best line or Kansas State with Cooper Beebe. Uh, maybe the the two big you know monsters in West Virginia, and honestly, they have a good line all across. But no one really talked about Kansas's line. I think you're right. It's it's. I don't know that I'm surprised. Um, yeah, I got onto Philip when they did their offensive line ratings because he had them the highest, and I think he had them down at seven. And I was just like, I was like, come on, really? <laughs> like, yeah. Like yeah. you have you know you have Mike Novitsky coming back. You have basically everybody back except for one. Um, you know they were a really good line last year. They're yeah. You know, they have basically everyone back. They they brought in some big guys that could do the kind of blocking that they, you know, struggled with last year uh, in Logan Brown. And honestly, Logan Brown isn't even starting. Like, right. <laughs> they brought him in to be that starter because they thought they were going to need him. And he's behind Dominic Cooney. That's so, a good sign. That's a yeah, good sign. Right. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. So I will be very interested to see how that matchup happens. I do, though, want to jump over to the defense. Or I'm sorry, to the uh, offensive side for the for, for Texas. I'm so used to talking offense first for me for a second. But. <laughs> We'll jump over there here in just a minute. But before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're back. I am here with Kyle Carpenter, one half of the Longhorn Republic podcast right here on the Central Podcast Network. We are talking Texas, of course, with the gigantic ranked-on-ranked matchup of the number 24 Kansas Jayhawks going to the number three Texas Longhorns this week. Let me tell you, um, you know, it's it seems like it's a trope that, you know, every single year we talk about, you know, is Texas going to, like, we won't believe that Texas is going to be this good until we actually see it. Um, I think we've seen it on the defensive end. I still have plenty of questions, though, about the offensive side because Agreed. as good as Quinn Ewers has looked at times and the, the amount of yards that he's amassed, you still take a look, like pro football focus, I believe his rating, he's like sixth or seventh in the Big 12, maybe mm-hmm. eighth, depending on where you look. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he has had a very, I think, inconsistent year so far. Yeah. What, like, I think the expectation from a lot of people was that this was the year that Quinn Ewers was going to make that jump. Um, has he made the jump that, you, that, that you've seen and it just hasn't finished yet? Or are there real concerns about what Quinn Ewers will do consistently? I think he's, I think he's certainly taken a step. I don't know if it was a jump. He's taken a step. Um, for him, it's, it's consistency, right? There will be a bad throw that, you know, don't let one play, you know, influence the next play, right? If it's a good play, treat it like it's a net new play. If it's a bad play, let it go, right? Mind of a goldfish. There's been times where, you know, he'll complete six passes and he looks hot and then he, he has one bad pass and all of a sudden he's missed his next three. There's been a little bit of um, more issue than I expected this season, uh, with drops. Um, I think that the the Wyoming game, you know, there was like five drops and from some sure handed receivers where you didn't really expect that two touchdown drops in that game alone. Right. So it's I want to see the receivers, you know, who are supposed to be one of the best unit. One was a running back in Italy, but be one of the best receiving groups in the country, like live up to that. And they have against Bama. They looked like it. Right. Adonai Mitchell came over from Georgia and he just looks sure handed. He looks he's one of those guys who looks like he's not trying and he's running past people, right? He's just that that type of playmaker. We know what Xavier Worthy is. And then the fact that he isn't having to just run the go route and run the whole route tree. We've already seen Xavier Worthy look like a more explosive uh, wide receiver, right? As long as he gets the blocks on the outside, his, his one step and is, is very dangerous uh, out, out in open space. So the receivers, I'm not so worried about. I think maybe there's been a little bit of anomaly. Like again, the two best games for Ewers have both been on the road, right? The the two best games for the Texas offense have both been on the road um, against Baylor and, of course, against Alabama, right? Alabama, if that's replicable, if they if Quinn can go and do that, there's where you see your first round quarterback, like 100%. That was a guy who looks ready to play in the NFL. Um, he hasn't had a turnover all year, but the past two games he's had throws that were ill-advised that could have been intercepted, right? Even against Baylor, he pump faked to a running back, looked downfield, and then threw back to a running back who had a linebacker just standing next to him and almost intercepted it. Um, So it's like some of those, it's like, what are you doing against Wyoming? It's that old Quinn where he had a touchdown in the end zone. And instead of, you know, there's a blitz coming instead of setting his, his feet and just taking the hit, he threw off his back foot and it should have been intercepted. It, It was dropped in the end zone. They, they still got a field goal, but those types of plays, right. He has to take those out of his game. Um, But you know, he had a throw to Jatavian Sanders that Sanders then went and caught one handed on the run uh, on an RPO glance uh, route that was just gorgeous. Um, but it, that throw was perfect. That was a throw that I, there's like five quarterbacks in the country who who can make, right? And, and they're all, you know, going to be in New York. Um, that's the stuff that, you know, that's, that's what hooks you, right? When you see that little bit of Quinn, but then when you don't see it, when you don't see the fundamentals, when he's, when he's throwing off his back foot, when he's, you know, moving in the pocket when he doesn't need to, right. We've seen his legs a lot more this year, but it's like, use them sparingly. You don't need to just have happy feet, right. Set your feet, get your base. It's that little bit of, he can throw from any, any arm slot. Sometimes you don't have to, right. So 
it's that question. Um, I don't think it's that bad, right? I don't, I, I don't want to, this is very, what you talked about earlier, harsh criticism. I don't think Quinn Ewers is the, is the, you know, sixth best quarterback in the big 12, right? I think at worst he's third. Um, but that's just because we know he has that Alabama game in him and I don't know how many people do. Um, that Baylor game, he was started six for six, ended up with only three incompletions, um, four incompletions, sorry. Um, you know, was good all day. Like th- those days as they become more regular, I think you'll start to see it. Um, any quarterback in the country is less you know, talented when they're getting pressure. And if Kansas wants to do it, uh, they need to to get after him, get some pressure on him. You know, you open yourself up to the home run when that happens, but that's the risk reward. And I think that's how you attack this Texas offense. If I'm Kansas is, you know, can I get enough on Quinn to, to make him fall into those old traps where he's throwing off his back foot, where he's trying to sidearm it instead of just setting his feet and, and making the throws that he can do really well when he just plays the football. Yeah, it's been, well, first of all, I have to thank you for, you know, acknowledging that Jalen Daniels is going to be in New York at the end of the year. But, um, <laughs> but no, um, you know, the Kansas defense has been very successful, I think, in getting pressure with four, which was not something that I really thought they would be able to do just with who they had. Um, but, you know, the ability to kind of bring guys in, put them at weird angles, Jeremy Robinson, being able to go both inside and outside. Um, you know, it just, it causes a lot of problems for teams. And so they haven't had to bring a bunch of blitzes to get that pressure. They'll still do it when it, you know, looks advantageous, but I think the play calling has been a whole lot better. They haven't opened themselves up to the home runs. They've been giving up a lot of those shorter passes, which, you know, will allow teams to rack up yards a whole bunch, but also means that they have to take eight or nine plays, you know, right. 10 plays to get down the field, which means that they have more opportunities for a big mistake. And I think that's where Kansas has really made their name um, defensively this year is force or giving teams opportunities to make mistakes and then jumping and taking advantage of them. This Kansas team has gotten a whole lot faster. You saw that against BYU. O.J. Burroughs jumping in front of a pass and dropping it, but it would have been a pick six. You know, you had uh, Melo Dotson, again, the first pass of the first half as well against BYU. Um, He jumped in front of that one and almost had the pick, and that probably would have gone back for six. So, like, Kansas has a lot of guys that are able to jump routes, you know, especially if you're coming low. So if if viewers make a mistake, they're probably going to be in a good spot to capitalize on it. I, I will say... You know, I don't necessarily know that the the sixth ranked in terms of like, you know, the, the advanced stats is unfair because of how inconsistent yours has been. Yeah. And I think that's really what the issue is. It's like, are we going to get the good viewers or are we going to get the bad viewers? And if we get the bad viewers, it could snowball pretty quickly. It could be a problem for the Jay yep. for 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 Texas against the Jayhawks. If you get the good viewers, then I think this becomes a dogfight because I I don't think that Kansas is going to. Um, have a problem with getting Jalen Daniels, you know, his snaps and his carries and everything that he needs. But, um, you know, I, I do wonder, like, if Texas is keeping up with what the, the Kansas offense is doing, like, blow for blow, there comes a point, I think, where the athleticism that Texas had, that advantage, you know, takes over. The question, obviously, is can Kansas stay juiced up with all of that stuff? So um, I do wonder, though, you know, running game. Like, I'm so used to yeah. a really, really good Texas running game. Yeah, you know, that probably happens when you have guys like B. John Robinson and, um, you know, but the running game has been, I think the best way to describe it, in the games that I've watched, I should say, it's it seems very lackluster. Um, is that just kind of bad luck with how that has happened? Or like it, it, it almost seems like it starts up front where the running, like the run blocking isn't as good this year. And maybe that's affecting the runners or is it just the fact you don't have a guy like Bijan on the team? I mean, I think it's certainly that you don't have a Bijan or a Roshan, right? Remember, that's your your that's uh, fir- first and what fifth running back drafted last season. I mean, that's that's a lot of talent to leave. But and this is no no trigger warning for for listeners, right? Kansas was Texas's best running game last year, right? Four hundred yards, two hundred fifty of those to Bijan. But a hundred yard rusher from that game, Jonathan Brooks, is back, and he's had a hundred yards the past two games. Um, he really kind of has come on as he's become the lead rusher. They basically started with, you know, number one running back in the country last year. CJ Baxter comes in, and they gave him the ball. He took the first snap of the season, you know, in, in the opening rice game, uh, which that the last guy to do that was Ricky Williams. The guy before that to do him was Earl Campbell, right? A true freshman to take the first snap of the season, no pressure kid. Um, but they, you know, they were so high on him that Brooks kind of fell a little bit as I don't know that he was number two as, as much as he was one B. Um, but since Baxter got a little dinged up and, and Brooks has taken over as the lead back, his yards per carry have gone up about two and a half yards, almost 2.7 yards, uh, per carry. It's almost like being that featured back. He's like, no, lean on me. Right. In in the Wyoming game, Wyoming, you know, basically to their credit, I think Wyoming is, is a 
a salty little defense, but um, they said, we're going to keep everything in front of us. Like we're not letting your receivers and Quinn Ewers beat us. We're going uh, Tampa two with the third guy dropping. We're going three safeties immediately bailing out high and, and just loading zones through the middle three man, you know, four man at most boxes and Sark, I think had a script and a game plan and it felt like a little stubborn to, to get rid of it in the second half when they said, well, let's just run the ball. I mean, he ran for 164 yards. Like they basically uh, somewhere around the mid second quarter actually just started enforcing their will running the ball. And it looked like the lineman liked it, right? There's a, there's a, the biggest question mark on Texas offensive line is, is DJ Campbell, the right guard who was, you know, a five-star number, number one offensive lineman in the country last year or two years ago, excuse me, played a little bit as a true freshman. Now as a sophomore, it's not his run blocking. That's a problem. He was a last week, an 89 graded run blocker uh, again, Against Baylor, like he he can do that. Sometimes, certainly, is pass blocking. But when they get where they're running, you know, four times, five times out of out of six, you know, out of seven, when they're just mauling, the line actually gets better. You feel like you know it's sometimes that RPO blocking that they do a lot of, where they're not, you know, they're a little bit in between. And if they're not natural pass blockers, they're guys who came like Campbell from run blocking high schools. Um, there's that little bit of thinking that sometimes gets in their head. They just need to play. But Jonathan Brooks is like I said, has really stepped up, and I think. It, Here's the stat. You want to know if if you're going to get good viewers, if you're going to get good Sark, if you're going to get good Texas offense. It's first down production, right? Parker Fleming, again, uh, Stats Award, who a friend of our podcast, I assume friend of yours as oh, well. Yeah. Uh, he... Um, he put out last week before the Baylor game that Texas was last in the country in offensive efficiency. And he gave all the caveats of why that would be, but it was an inefficiency on first down, especially. Um, they were really bad. Um, against Baylor, Ewers was 11 for 12 for 138 yards on first down. They ran 18 times for 117 yards on first down, right? Six and a half yards to carry on first down. They had four touchdowns on first downs. They created 11 first downs on first down plays, right? If Texas, and, and Sark said this, right? They're, cause they're not a great third down team this year. They, they aren't. They they just simply aren't. Um, hope that improves for, for their sake if they want to get to the goals they want to get to, but they aren't. But Sark said, when our offense is good, we don't see a lot of third downs. We're getting first down on first down, first down on second down, running our offense. That gives us, you know, we go quick, we get multiple looks. Defense doesn't have time to adjust, right? That's the drives. That's how Sark wants to play football. Um, when they get to third, and especially third and, and not, you know, uh, pretty, um, you see them force it a little bit. So watch on this against Kansas, how... Texas is is moving the ball on first downs. If there are a lot of second and fours, if they're, you know, a lot of uh, third and ones, um, obviously, like any team in the country, they're feeling much, much better about that. But as they go and get behind the chains, right, if they get penalties, right, if, if false starts and those types of things have killed Texas like they do most teams, but it is really limited their efficiency, right? When they don't have those, they've been very efficient, but they also started three drives against Wyoming with false starts and, and punted on all three of those drives, right? So you... It's clear cut. It's basic football. Move the ball in first down. The playbook stays open. Don't you're behind the change defense knows to pin their ears back and what they're looking for. Yeah, it'll be interesting because I, I believe that uh, looking at those off- those same offensive efficiency numbers, Kansas was up in like the top five, uh, which is awesome for the Jayhawks. But obviously it's, I mean, I don't know. It'll be very interesting. Like this is a game that you look at a lot of the the indicators and a lot of the statistical you know like advanced analytics and all of that and this looks like it's a close game mm-hmm. um like it it feels to me like what's driving a lot of those differences because you know we talked about it being like a 17 and a half open and like parker like you were talking about has like i think he had about like a 20 and a half difference there i think a lot of what's driving that is one history for the jayhawks sure. and two recruiting rankings so like the the sure. baseline um I think what that doesn't account for is things like, you know, how successful coaches are with their system and coaching up guys and those sorts of things. Um, so this is going to be, I think, a really good opportunity to to see, you know, is it that talent wins out? You know, like you have like the the five-star recruits and, you know, or, or four-star recruits that really went out because they can exert their will. Or is it something where, you know, a team like Kansas can jump up and, and have those sorts of games? So looking, I, you, you kind of already answered what the, like, you know, the X factor in this game was, or like, well, one thing you need to look at, but um, you know, if Kansas comes in and pulls off an upset, right. What does that look like? How does Kansas actually do that? Look, I, first of all, I don't think the memes of, you know, Oh, Kansas beat Texas are, are really oh, no, no. anymore. This, this will not be a, yeah. 
this will be a bragging rights just because you beat them like the, like, the sure. last time possible, but it's not sure. going to be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you lost to Kansas type of thing. Can't, Kansas is at worst the third best team in the Big 12 right now, right? I'm not, yeah. I'm not entirely sold that that OU, I think the best, their defense, which uh, some ESPN, I'll leave nameless uh, advanced stats guys think, are, you know, could make them go 12-0. and 0. The best offense they've played is uh, they have all their offenses they faced are, are over 90 in EPA, 1-45 in, uh, yeah. in SMU, who's not great. Uh, I mean, but anyways. Let's, well, let's <laughs> Let's be honest, like the, you know, the offenses that uh, Oklahoma has faced is kind of yeah. similar to a lot of the defenses, I think, with the exception of Alabama, that uh, that, that Texas has faced. So, like, if you want to have questions, you can have questions because, and, you know, even Kansas, to, to a good point, like, you could have questions about Kansas defense until yeah. they play BYU. Um, look, I, like, I'll tell you, right, I think the Illinois, the, if you want to look at this, and I, and I, I don't scoff at this at all, right, uh, BYU beating Arkansas, I think, is probably the third best win of the Big 12, you know, in the first few weeks. I, playing Big 12, playing Big 12, I'm taking that out, but, you know, non-conference. Uh, I think Kansas beating Illinois is, is you know, right there in the top three. I think Texas beating Alabama is obviously one. I think those, or that's your top three. I think number four right now, and I, and I know you're going to disagree here, might be Texas versus Wyoming. I think Wyoming will win the Mountain West. They beat App State, who took, you know, North Carolina to overtime, number 15 ranked. Tar Heels, um, they beat Tech. Obviously, we think Tech is is a little bit less than we thought, but that was with Shuck. I think Wyoming is actually a very good team, a really salty team um, with just just a couple players, but they know how to use them really well in a good line. But anyways, that's all to say, I, I think um, if Kansas is to do it, right, they're going to come in and they're going to prove that Kansas is for real. First of all, they're going to be able to hold up uh, their offensive line to Texas' defensive line, right, just the size uh, advantage. They're going to be able to stop on the other side of the ball, the the kind of X factors that that most teams in the country uh, don't have, right? Xavier Worthy, Adonai Mitchell, both you know projected first, uh, maybe second at worst round draft picks. Jatavian Sanders right now is tight end two, only behind Brock Bowers on Kuiper's big board, right? A five star who makes one handed catches and can jump, you know, with a thirty eight inch vertical and then runs a four five while he's two hundred forty pounds, like those types of freaks, right? And that is right. That's the five star kids. It's it's a blessing to have that type of talent. But if Kansas comes in and they say you know, we're going to keep in front of us so that you can't just break out. We're going to get pressure and try to force Quinn into bad Quinn. Um, and we're going to run our offense and execute our offense. And we're not going to, we may not score 50 against you, but we may, you know, get 25 or, or, or 31. And our defense is going to step up where people have been sleeping on them all year. And they're going to hold Texas to 28, right? If you walk out of there with a 31 to 28 win, that feels right. I think this is going to be a shootout, um, certainly. But I, I wonder, you know, I don't think it's going to be a 50 to 50 shootout. I, I just don't see that from Texas defense, even though Kansas offense is good. I think it's um, you're smart, you limit possessions, you take advantage, maybe that Quinn Ewers turnover streak, uh, it, it finally comes to an end in, in Kansas like they did, you know, with the, uh, what's his nickname, by the way, Kobe Bryant, uh, you told me this and, and I loved it. Oh, but okay, I, so there's a, there's a few of them, but he got, uh, in the West Virginia game, the Kansas announcer coined the Hawk Mamba. Hawk Mamba. Yeah. But, uh, tr- you know, after that big play against BYU, I was like, we should be calling him the Smack Mamba now. because just- I don't hate it. It was a beautiful oh, play. Oh, it was great. But I, w- I was trying to remember that on the podcast for Gerald and I. I. I couldn't remember. I was like, it's so good. Andy told us in the preseason, oh, yeah. but I can't remember. The Hawk Mamba. Yeah, I'll remember Hawk it for Saturday. But if the Hawk Mamba, you know, gets another interception or, you know, lays the hit stick and, and forces a fumble, you know, those types of things, the the pick six. Uh, Texas had its worst special teams game in the Sark era against Baylor. I think the wind was weird, but they fumbled two punts that Baylor recovered and bobbled a, a, a kickoff and missed a chip shot field goal from 20 yards. So if Texas special teams doesn't recover, which I, I have a little more doubt on that. I think they're a really good unit, but if they have another weird one, uh, if, you know, Kansas can be the, win the turnover battle, right. Be the, the more efficient team, not turn it over when they have the ball and, and, you know, force Texas into mistakes and get yours off of his kind of off of, off of his rhythm and off of where Stark wants him, then, then yeah, that's your formula. And you have some of the playmaking game breaking guys, you know, when in, in Daniels and Neil, uh, you know, in, in look, Lord forbid you have, you have this incredible fullback who's done it before. Like I like him and I love that he actually is like, legitimately great it wasn't just a flash in the pan against texas he's actually this great career that's come after that i love jared casey for that but you know like yeah maybe jared casey pancakes someone on the edge for a devin neal touchdown that is the difference in the game and he's the hero yet again you know you have the guys uh more than you have ever to do it where it won't be a fluke right it'll show that kansas really is 
you know, that, that good deserves the ranking and more um, obviously. So we'll, we'll see again. I, I think I'm just starting to believe just now that this Texas team is, is really good. Like is a top 10 team and mainly it's because of that defense, right? I, I've, I've all season kind of said, yeah, we're Texas. So we're getting a little hyped here. I get it. Um, you know, winning the Bama game. I was, I was trying to say, okay, I need to see it again. Need to see it again. Need to see it again before believing incredible game, incredible to go into Alabama and do that. Right. Ole Miss couldn't do it. A lot of teams over the years haven't been able to do it. Texas did it. That's great. Do it again, right? So until I see Texas do it again, I'm still saying, are we a top three team? I don't know, but they're a top 10 team, right? They have that talent. They've shown some consistency. Defense is a championship level defense for the first time in a long time. So Kansas can do it. It's going to be tough, though. Kansas is going to have to come and play their A game in DKR. This is We don't have a lot of good home games this year. This is the marquee home game left for, for Texas, right? Bama was an away game. OU is obviously neutral site every year. Um, there's some other, you know, decent ones, but th- this is the one I, I, you know, a lot of people are hoping we get game day because it's probably our last chance to have it in Austin in the Big 12 um, this year. So uh, didn't get it, obviously, but, you know, this is a big one. And, uh, Texas fans are going to show out for this one. and You're going to get the full, it's 230 instead of seven. But you're going to get a full 100,000 people yelling at you when you're trying to change the snap count for Jalen Daniels. It's going to be an atmosphere. How, how much is it going to hurt when Kansas, Oklahoma has game day? You know, and <laughs> hey, you you beat Texas. It's right there for you, man. No, no, that's true. I mean, it probably will take that. You know, and <laughs> not falling before then. But um, no, I mean, I I agree. I think that like some things have to happen. But you know, Kansas has had a fumbling issue for the last year and a half, and um, you know, they didn't have any issues against BYU. I like. I think that's really the thing to watch out for is that that's what will derail the Kansas offense is a fumble. Um, but I, I think that this is a Kansas defense that can get enough pressure that if they can force the turnover, whether it's a fumble or if it's a, you know, or if it's an interception or something, like if we get through the, you know, the end of the first quarter and Kansas either already has like three sacks or they've got a fumble yeah. or like, or some sort of turnover that puts Quinn Ewers, I think, in a very tough position to be able to, you know, because like, like we've talked about Quinn Ewers, he is a guy that I think has to have that confidence going in. Like if you yep. can shake his confidence even a little bit, it, it, there's a good chance it can snowball, especially if you, if you don't let a pressure on there. So I think if Kansas is able to do that early, that's a good sign for the Jayhawks. And they probably are, you know, on their way to at least being extremely competitive in this game. Um, but, you know, you talked about how, how, you know, you, you want to believe right now that this team is a top 10 team for, for Texas. I, I'm going to be honest here. Like it's not very often you can say that. And that talks about how far Kansas has come and how far, you know, this, this game has come, but even if you lose to Kansas, I think there's a really good case to be made that Texas is still a top 10 team. Like, sure. I mean, this is, this is a team I think that has a lot going for them and, you know, Kansas has a lot going for them as well. So I'm hoping, you know, I've, uh, I actually went on a different podcast earlier uh, from when we were recording this and did note that, uh, you know, I am, I am actually picking Kansas straight up in this game, but uh, love it. you know, I, I partly because I just want to, you know, watch the world burn, (laughs) <laughs> uh, I, I asked Bill Connolly uh, over on Twitter when he was talking about SP plus, I was like, so how much is SP plus going to freak out if can, you know, when, when Kansas beats Texas this week and the response they got was phenomenal. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it, obviously, you know, podcasting a visual medium, but it's the, the, the gift where the guy is like, he's like this much. And it's like, you can't even see his hands because <laughs> they're outside of the frame. So yeah. Um, yeah. I am pulling, even if it wasn't, the Jayhawks, I would be pulling. I am team chaos when it comes to, you know, sure. so um, I would be pulling for this anyway. But the fact that it's the Jayhawks makes it even better. So obviously. All right, Kyle, anything else about this game or about this team that you think people need to know before we get out of here? I'll say this. Um, it's going to be a really good one. I'm excited for this. Look, there's a world. I said it on our podcast. I love the idea that, you know, whatever happens in this game, that there's a rematch. I would love for Kansas and UT to get to the Big 12 championship. Oh, awesome. Keep keep, keep uh, OU out of there. Um, but no, I, I, I like like you said, if Kansas wins it, I know UT is going to want their shot. If if UT, you know, goes and does what, you know, they're, they're expected to do and take care of home field and wins this, it couldn't, you know, it, there's a, a very... Uh, realistic world where that isn't the last time they see each other right now. Maybe OU proves it and they're great, uh, whatever. But, you know, I, I, I think there's, there's, there's a lot uh, to play for, for both teams here. Um, like I said, I, I don't dislike this Kansas team at all. I, I think there's a lot of talent. I love 
the job the coach has done. I think he's building a, a real deal program there. And, and, you know, it's, it's cool to see, and you will be the team. And I'm not saying this just to butter you up. This is legitimate. I said this on our podcast, uh, not in basketball, of course, but in football, uh, that I will be rooting for going forward. I, I also said, uh, to Gerald last week that I could just see final or, you know, it's not final fours, but brackets where they put Texas and Kansas on the same side. Cause like, Ooh, this is a, a, a one seed and a three seed. This will be fun if they, you know, make it to the elite eight and have to play each other. Like I just see a lot where they, uh, they're going to want to keep this rivalry going in other sports, but this might be the last one in football for a while. Like we know that Sark said it la- two weeks ago, like, you know, with your one to two open out of conference games that you have, do you go and schedule one big 12 team and then you start getting shit from all the others? You know, it's like um, it, it may be a little while before we see some of these big 12 opponents uh, feature back on, on Texas's schedule. And so they've been calling it the embrace the hate tour. They know they're going to get teams who want the all-time scoreboard against Texas and Kansas has it again. They meet the big 12 championship could happen, but you know, this could be the last time, that we get to talk about football on this podcast. So um, well, it's exciting. I mean, you know, until, until, you know, like every second or third year when they meet in the Sugar Bowl. In the playoffs. Heck yeah. yeah Sugar Bowl. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, Kyle, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please do go out where, where we get your podcast, where it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. No, not Stitcher. That one's gone. Uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify or any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast, subscribe, get every episode as soon as it comes out. We really do bring the podcast to you guys, get you all the information you need in as entertaining way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people have tried to interview, anything like that, contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are, of course, part of the 10-12 Podcast Network covering all the teams in the Big 12 Conference. Yes, all 14 of them, plus a little bit here and there about, you know, the new ones, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. Um, But... Go over to 1012network.com and get links to all the great shows we have there. And, of course, you can also support us over on our Patreon, the 1012 Network Patreon at patreon.com slash 1012network. You can, you know, Philip is putting out stuff every single week there, talking about his notes for the betting show over on uh, on the 1012 podcast. And we have other content that we are working on trying to get up there as well. But you can support any team in the net or any podcast in the network uh, that is over on that Patreon and get access to all that great stuff. So 1012 Network, I'm sorry, patreon.com slash 1012 Network. Make sure you guys head on over there. And of course, go visit our sponsors. Um, absolutely love everything that we're doing with them. But that's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Shop Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.